Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Later in the show, small shopkeepers being forced out of their premises in favour of larger chains that can pay higher rents. And how's Hong Kong 18 districts spending their $100 million windfall? First though, you can't have missed it. There's been a meeting of the National People's Congress in Beijing this week. Correspondents in the capital have reported on topics ranging from baby formula squabbles to how to curb the scope of universal suffrage for the next Hong Kong chief executive elections. So will loving the country and support for the Communist Party triumph over all other considerations? With us in the studio is Professor Joseph Cheng from City University. Hello. Let's start with that point. I mean, do you think that what's happening, I think this is on the sidelines of the MPC, not in its central proceedings, is, is a sort of softening up of the Hong Kong public to lower expectations for what universal suffrage will bring for the next chief executive election? I guess so, because very few people hold that idealistic view that the Chinese leadership has made a promise, we are going to have the election by universal suffrage and no restrictions will be imposed, uh, perfect democracy to be implemented and so on. I don't think so. I think all the time we understand that the Chinese leadership's promise is that Hong Kong people may have that privilege. And then in the basic law framework, there are still restrictions uh, imposed by the nomination process in the hands of the election committee. That can always be a very restrictive nomination process. I have to say, though, I think a, a lot of people did take it literally and assume that, that, that when you talk about elections, they meant anybody can run for those elections. We hope so. Uh, of course, uh, uh, patriotic, loving Hong Kong, and so on. When these words were first mentioned by Deng Xiaoping, they were meant to be uh, a relaxed liberal attitude to reassure Hong Kong people that, uh, that the Chinese leadership would set rather relaxed criteria, uh, but that was more than 20 years ago. Now, of course, when Chinese officials, pro-Beijing senior politicians mention these words again, most people will take this that these are meant to be uh, restrictions because um, in the past few years, we have already heard suggestions on the part of pro-Beijing politicians that perhaps in the election by universal suffrage you need f some restrictions or some, some uh, conditions that is to say a candidate to be nominated must get a certain percentage of support from all four categories of the members of the election committee or they need to be endorsed by a certain number of Hong Kong deputies to the National People's Congress and this simply means ruling the pro-democracy candidate out. And, and the other thing that we've heard from uh, people as senior as Politburo members is what I thought we hadn't heard for a while is this, this idea that Hong Kong is becoming a base of subversion again. What do you think that's all about? This is a rather dangerous perception uh, on the part of the Chinese leadership and a perception which has been articulated by the pro-Beijing media all the time. Uh, well, one has to appreciate that... Uh, but not in, can I just interrupt you? Yeah, but please. not, I think, by state leaders. I think that this is something we heard it from state leaders at an earlier stage, but in recent years I, I've noticed that they don't talk like that. Some of their 
pro-Beijing media do, but not state leaders. Yes, they don't do that. Uh, but they, even this time, it is not meant to be a very formal, open statement, though. Uh, but this kind of perception certainly has been, has been exacerbated in the past years. I guess there are many indicators that Chinese leaders are not happy with the political situation in Hong Kong. They think Hong Kong people are not grateful. They think Hong Kong people are too critical of China's policies towards Hong Kong, hence the need for education, therefore the uh, national education program. But this is, this is bad because they should engage in some self-reflection, not necessarily self-criticism. We know that from, from public opinion surveys that in fact Hong Kong people's identity with the Chinese nation, their trust for the Chinese authorities had been strengthening from 1997 roughly up to 2008. But since then, both trends have been reversed. And what, what are the reasons? What did Beijing do wrong to cause this decline in these important trends? Joseph Cheng, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Meanwhile, back in Hong Kong, pity the small shop owner. Thanks to the individual traveler scheme, jewelry, electronics and designer fashion clothing sales, may be booming, especially for larger chain stores. But small-scale shop owners are rapidly being turned into vagrants. Bejiyo these are among the roughly 150 shopkeepers being forced to close up their businesses in a shopping center owned by a sole property owner. The Kingwa Center is located in the prime area of Mong Kok. All the small shopkeepers on the first four floors of the building have to leave at the end of May. The space will be leased to one big department store. This is facelift that will appeal to a different type of shoppers. It's also a big blow to many small shops now in the center. The King Wall Center lies on the same plot of land on which the renowned King Wall restaurant once stood. Even at that time, there were shops there too. Owned by the Tam family, it was a Mong Kok landmark, catering for a wide range of diners. The restaurant closed in 1989. The owners spent $200 million to rebuild and create 17 floors of shopping and office space. All shop spaces were rented out, none were sold outright. According to the CBRE global investment firm, 
shop brands in Hong Kong are among the world's most expensive, ahead of New York and London. The rental for the average Hong Kong shop space is around 15% more than in New York. Today, to many small shopkeepers, the demise of the King Wall Center is symbol of the decline of the small-scale shopping arcade. Chain stores selling fashion, electronic products, pharmaceutical products and jewelry are taking up more and more space. Along these 200 meters of Nathan Road, there are about 20 jewelry shops, mostly belonging to just three consortiums. On the other hand, Mrs. Kwan has been forced out of three shopping arcades in the past year. Now that she needs to leave Kingwa Center, one of those shopping arcades, DNA, has made her new offer. <laughs> Yi 沒有了。Cindy's family has been a tenant of the Kingwa Group for 15 years, but the kind of relationship that older generations had with their landlords is no more. 他要我們拜拜,我們小租戶,其實就算你以往上一代幾熟,其實他決定了的,我們都沒有可以說的了。Welcome back. Hong Kong's district councils have had a bit of a windfall this year. They've been given a lump sum by the government to do something useful or decorative for their neighbourhoods. Proposals are due to be made by the end of this month, or maybe later. At least, end of this month is, so we are told, the first target date. This is the Wu San Path, a popular spot for North District residents and those from even further afield to hike. In recent years, the North District Council has spent millions of dollars to improve the facilities of this hiking trail. Now it plans to spend even more to improve Wu Tipsan and Wameisan hiking facilities. The plan involves building more pavilions, belvedere's and recreational facilities and beautifying the road signs. In 
In his first policy address, Chief Executive Lang Jianying announced that each of Hong Kong's 18 districts could have a $100 million one-off allocation to carry out a signature project scheme. Under the scheme, the lump sum resources are for district councils to implement large-scale and sustainable projects to satisfy their area's needs. The North District Council isn't only proposing to use its $100 million to improve hiking facilities in the Wutipsan and Wameisan areas, but also to improve the Shatao Kok area, close to Yanchaotong Marine Park and the Hong Kong Global Geopark of China, to promote tourism. There are few definitions or guidelines about the nature of the signature projects or how they should be carried out. The only clear guideline is that any proposed project should cost no less than 30 million Hong Kong dollars. In the central and western district, council members have suggested using public money to create a beautification project here in the western wholesale food market and convert these piers into an open space for the public to enjoy. The big picture, whether this is really the, the place that uh, fit that purpose. Because we have a very long harbour front and there is uh, many different areas that needs to be enhanced. But the fact that it's a fully operation wholesale market with lots of people working here. And, um, and then, on the other hand, it wants here to be a recreational use. It seems a little bit, you know, not you know, really matching the, the whole thing. The budget of 100 million that uh, requires the, the district council to um, make decisions in, in such a rush. Um, it is easy to become, you know, like a, a white elephant project. Recently, the Central and Western District Council proposed revamping the public area next to Sengwan Recreation Centre. The plan is to spend somewhere in the region of three and a half to four and a half million dollars on a new sculpture, a performance stage and flagpoles to display the China and Hong Kong SAR flags. Some see political motivations. Well, we have heard for many years for the demands to give more money and power uh, to the district councils. So this can be treated as a response to those kind of demands. But as I said, given the non-democratic structure of our uh, district councils and also uh, the fact that uh, even the government has not been directly elected by the people, uh, once these funding decisions are made, 
Uh, as I said, it, it may have a, a danger of creating a non-level playing field and, uh, and backfire. So, so I think uh, the most important thing is for the government trying to uh, speed up the, the, the uh, full democracy at the district level as soon as possible. In 1894, an outbreak of bubonic plague killed more than 3,000 people in Taiping San. The then government demolished the entire neighborhood. In 1904, to improve hygiene, it opened Hong Kong's first public toilet and bathhouse on Pound Lane, with space for 28 men and 10 women. Now, this more than a century old landmark faces destruction. The local district council has other plans for the location. We are especially concerned uh, about how the district council will spend the money because there are quite a lot of examples in our district that somehow resources have not been spent in a logical way. A very good example is a proposal to build a $200 million escalator in this stretch of Poundling, which is... Um, I have to say, a very short stretch of streets that are not uh, frequently visited by many, many people. So um, I would say that this is a, a kind of a waste of um, public resources, a waste of taxpayers' money. And this kind of examples has been happening all over our district um, over the last few years. Recently, alleged public art pieces like these have drawn much attention, and not all of it praise. News media have reported that much public money has been spent on landmark sculptures or vanity projects like these. This duck in Shenzhen cost almost $800,000. According to government figures, there are almost 500 such installations sitting around the city. Many were not actually created by artists. I think the better word is the very superficial objects. It's not art at all. As an artist myself, as well as you know, I think the government should have done more to, to nurture art to the society. And by doing so, I think public art is one of the devices. But make sure public art has to be done by artists, you know, not by any tradesman or any politician. We have a lot of money. And since we have, you know, even more money for the district council to think about how we can manage to make a better city. So first of all, to me, leave the space open, more enjoyment of the city, and therefore leave the space for the next generation and think of living green. Lawmakers on the Legislative Council's Home Affairs Panel have also questioned the one-off grant. Taiwan 你整得多少件事
。當你攞億落嚟咧，就實際上地球上有多嘢做嘅。點解唔可以翻翻當時線嘅嗰個職能咧？你點樣能夠達到局長？你剛才講區會我哋個條文個規定，我哋職能咧，你而家冇噶嘛？基本上政府上嗰落嘅我帶俾我哋，完全翻唔到我嘅職能。對於陳議員所講話，我哋地方行政冇目標、冇方向、冇翻翻去兩個。兩個殺兩個撤銷兩個區兩個市市政局之前嗰呢一類嘅呢嗰啲講法咧，我就不敢苟同。Even、um, if our district add more, you know, sculptures, it won't be landmark because to me landmark is already here. This is Hong Kong. Victoria Harbour is a landmark of Hong Kong. And that's it for this episode of the Pulse. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>